welcome back. DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. This is issue number 47. Uh, our hot off the press edition of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. Charlie is remote. Um, we will be covering two titles this week, some comic book news, and we're going to be diving into some interesting rumors swirling around the DC Comics, um, I guess, company in general, not even, you know, just the multiverse. Um, but, uh, we'll get into that. So, uh, let's dive into some news. Uh, comic news is always pretty light. Um, especially with us really only being interested in the DC side of things and independent, you know, we definitely are diving deeper and deeper into the independent hole. Um, but, uh, for this week, I guess the big news um is this batman 89 and superman 78 digital first series um we are not digital comics guys so me and charlie will probably not be reading this digitally uh, i say that but we you know i don't think this is going to start our our dive even though we both thoroughly enjoy the character choices that they're picking here um they announced, DC announced the first, um, two new digital first series inspired by 1989's Batman, 1978's Superman movies, respectively. The artists have, um, attuned their styles to match those of the Christopher Reeves Superman and Michael Keaton Batman. Um, Batman 89 will be written by Sam, ha- Sam Ham, um, and illustrated by Joe... Quinones, Quinones, while Superman 78 um, is being written by Robert Venditti and um, illustrated by Wilfredo Torres. Um, they'll debut as a six digital chapters on July 27th with an additional six arriving weekly after that. Um, once all 12 chapters of the story has been, have been released, they'll be recollected into a six traditional comic release between August and October. Um, and then obviously hard covers after that apparently have already been, um, chosen, but the first Batman cover is pretty sick. It's a pretty legit cover. Um, it's the Keaton style Batman with the wings expanded. They have the old school Batman 89, um, font. Um, and then the Superman cover for issue number one, um, is a dual, it's like a split front-facing cover uh, with Superman pulling the business attire off, and then underneath is a Christopher Reeves-esque. I mean, it's obviously supposed to be the Christopher Reeves Superman, but comparative to the Batman, it doesn't look as accurate. Um, Still looks good. Um, It'll definitely be interesting. Um, The official synopsis for each title is continuing the twisted adventures of DC's Dark Knights from Tim Burton's seminal classic Batman movies. Batman 89 brings in screenwriter Sam Hamm, who wrote Batman um, and Batman Returns, and artist um, Joe Quinones. I I don't don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, He worked on Doll H for Heroes to pull a number of threads left dangling by the prolific director. Um, the gothic mentality behind the world, while still rooted in a sense of realism, helped inform many of DC's global fans' first impressions of the Dark Knight's Gotham. In the new 89 comic, Ham and Quinness uh, will help usher in the return of Selina Kyle Catwoman, 
will debut a new Robin, plus Quinnis has a vision for Harvey Dent Two-Face that is as close to the movie magic as a comic can get. Um, and in the vein of DC's plans for Batman 89, Robert Venditti of Hawkman and Wilfredo Torres of Batman 66, which I was a big fan of the Batman 66 comic line. Um, there's a lot of good books and there's a lot of collectible books in that, that series. Um, um, a lot of great covers as well. Uh, we'll collaborate on Superman 78 to tell stories set within the world of Richard Donner and Christopher Reeves created in Superman the movie. Um, in Superman 78, bystanders are surprised and delighted by Superman's abilities, and Lois Lane doesn't yet know that Clark Kent is secretly Superman. The sheer thrill of seeing a man fly, leap, or stop a bullet would be reflected in the environment where Superman has just been introduced, inspired by Diner's classic, timeless style of superhero, styling, superhero storytelling. In Superman 78, Benedi and Taurus will show fans that a man can truly fly. Um... Kudos for DC uh, cashing in on that nostalgia. Um, I think this is going to be a very successful line for them, whether digitally or in print. Um, I think this is going to be something that when it does finally hit shelves in August, I think it's going to sell very well. It's going to be probably a hard book to come by, especially if they do incentivize covers, which if they're intelligent, they're going to do. Um, How do you feel? Are you excited? I don't know if I'd say I'm excited. I'd say that it's uh, it's a good move on their part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, like, I, I agree with you. It's, it's there'll definitely be books that people want to read. Uh, you know, Christopher Reeves as Superman and uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. People that I mean, when you talk to people, like, you know, who's your Batman? Who's your Superman? Like, those names are always going to come up yep. because they're they're just they're icons. They 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 made those characters. I think. And and not no disrespect to to Adam West or, or anybody who came before them, but those two really popularized them outside of the comic books. Yeah, you had you had casual comic book fans or superhero fans, like and you got to think at the time where they came out, right? Like it, it wasn't like today where where nerd culture is is very widely accepted. They came out during a time where you know you were a geek or a nerd or whatever if you were into superheroes but if you went to the movies and saw it then it was a, then it was perfectly fine yeah um, so, so they they've well, actually they've they've actually um let me they've actually started to release some with the announcement of the series they've the artists have started to release some imaging of like what to expect like what what are people going to look like so to speak and um the Joe Quint Quint I, I really don't feel like I'm saying this name right. Q U I N O N E S. Quinnes, Quinones, Quinones, Quinnes. I feel like Quinnes is probably the best way to say it. Whatever. Uh artist Joe Quinnes um has shared some character designs for the henchmen um for Joker coming up in the series. Um and they're very apparently his inspiration for the characters and their character designs was the costumes of the women and the bat dance and the dancers in the bat dance music video by Prince. Um, and it's actually kind of funny, like, you know, looking like at like what he's drawing and stuff like it. I mean, some of the, the, there's a, a Joker style character that kind of looks like Prince. Um, it's just funny. You know what I mean? Like it, it's going to be interesting to see where they, cause obviously Batman 89, we had Batman returns, right? 
we had Catwoman, we had, you know, Penguin. So we had a sequel. They're going to pull at more of the strings from that universe. So you're going to get newer characters, like, you know, newer bad guys. They never explored, um, what's his name, as Harvey Dent. He played uh, Lando in Star Wars. Um, um, Billy D. Williams. Yeah. So Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in Batman 89. But when, you know, Returns came out, they never even addressed his character. So they are going to explore that. Um, it'll be interesting. Like I said, some of the character designs that I'm looking at right now are pretty cool. Um, obviously, Batman is as accurate. The, the clothing style is accurate to the time. Um, Alfred looks like he does. The Harvey Bullock character looks like he does. They have revamped Jim Gordon a little bit. He looks more like a comic book style Jim Gordon than he did um, in the movie. But yeah, uh, like I said, for me, I'm a big Batman. I'm a big Keaton Batman guy. Like that's my my Batman, um, so to speak, um, from growing up. Even though obviously I wasn't, you know, born until Returns came out. But that was the one that I grew up on, and I, you know, I watched. Um, the art inside of Superman 78 looks exactly like Christopher Reeves, much, be- much more than the cover does in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, it, it looks good. It looks like it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good series. Um, so we'll definitely have to check that out when it comes out. Um, and I guess really the only other piece of news that has, um, kind of come out is the bleeding cool news that we're going to get into at the end here um so we'll save that we'll save that for the end um so let's dive into our books for the week uh let's start with uh the next batman number three uh we'll talk just the main story um there wasn't really much development in the arkham or outsiders story um i do kind of like what they're doing with uh black lightning and that outsiders um story same thing with duke williams but um Obviously, that's not the meat and potatoes of the next Batman. Um, so what do you think of this issue? Because I told when I when I told you, you know, we were going to cover it. I told you that I thought it was probably the best issue we've had to this point um, from this new Batman, so to speak. I enjoyed it. I, I and and I mean, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been a great run so far as as we've kind of documented but um i enjoyed i enjoyed uh getting at least getting to the end because i'm like yeah i can totally see why these uh why these parents are doing what they're doing yeah um at, at no time have i i still felt a connection to to um to this new batman to ten. And i'm like yeah, Tim. Thank you. I'm like, uh, I I wanted to say Luke uh, Lucas, and I'm like, no, it's it's not. Um, like I still don't like him. I I mean, again, we we get to this. He's got all of the technology that Batman has, and how does he take down the drone? He uh, he throws a rock at it. Yeah, it's. He's not Batman. I'm yeah. sorry. He does. So it's it's weird because in in the same vein of that of those couple panels that you know eventually leads to him chucking the rock. He he does a lot of Batman like stuff. You know what I mean? Like he takes out an entire swarm of robots and you know 
basically magistrate officers. Like he does it pretty quickly and efficiently. And like you said, like he gets to the end, it's like he almost, it's almost like his utility belt ran out of goodies and you know, he has to resort to whatever's around him, which in the long run, yeah, Batman would probably do the same, but Batman would be overprepared for the situation that he's in. Um, but yeah, well, uh, like I said, it's not, it's not as wasteful with his, with like, you know, Bruce, Bruce knows what he has to use when he has to use it. Yeah. Tim, Tim does not. Yeah. So, um, and it's also starting to, um, they, well, at least in this issue, I feel like they highlighted it a little bit better. The gap or the, 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 the deterioration of the relationship between the GCPD and the magistrate. Of basically being like, you know, well, if we bring these people in for questioning, we're going against the magistrate shoot to kill order on vigilantes. So we're going to be kind of like accomplices to a crime, essentially. And like, they're trying to like figure out where, you know, they're trying to figure out where the middle ground is for them as, as police officers, which is also a very interesting um, take. I do like that this hasn't gone political in the sense of like, you know what I mean? Like we, it, this could be a lot. This could be a lot more, yep, topical than it is. So I, I, I am enjoying that. Um, uh, Tim gets the parents back to a, an abandoned church, um, and you know, basically, he explains he's been shot, and that it basically his suit is keeping him from bleeding out. Um, he has them flare him to cauterize the wound to try and stop the bleeding. Um, and then obviously he makes contact with detective Montoya, who I believe is the commissioner now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and she basically, no, he, he contacts a different detective. It's not Montoya. Detective Chubb. Um, he contacts, I guess he's close with her. I don't know. I don't know if they, they touched on her. Did they say if that's his sister or a relative or something? Uh, I could, I, I don't know who she is, to be honest with you. Right. I, 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 I was thinking sister, but, but I don't I, know. I don't think she is though, but he makes contact with her and, you know, he, he basically tells the parents like, look, I saved your life because the magistrate was going to kill you on sight, but I still have to do my job and turn you in. I can't just let you go. Even though I agree with why you did what you did, you still are wrong and you still need to, you know, basically stand for your trial, you know, trial for your crimes. Um, and basically the detective tells him like, you know, why are you contacting me? He tells her like, Hey, I have the, the murderers of the person or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you know, look, even if you turn these people over to me, it doesn't mean I'm not going to shoot you. And he basically tells her, well, I'll take my chances. Um, as they, you know, as he's doing all that, I guess the two parents or Eric, um, the dad makes a play against him and basically hits him where they just cauterize that wound from the, the bullet hole um, and hits him with a, um, appears to just be like a, a wooden stick. Um, him and his wife, uh, the wife and the husband end up getting into it. He ends up knocking his wife out. I'm surprised a guy that murder can murder somebody um, isn't too too bashful to beat up on his his old lady either. Um, 
he uh, he essentially says that you know if he kills Batman, maybe the magistrate and the gu- and the cops will give him a break, and that's kind of where they cliffhang us for the next issue. I don't mind it. Um, it's just an interesting take because, like you said, you know you you understood where they were coming from as parents. I mean, I think we all could for why they killed the person they killed, but now it's starting to seem like. Maybe there's more to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, maybe we can believe their story to an extent, but it seems like the dad's okay with doing this regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he's definitely more of a... Um, he's definitely crossed the line more than... Or, or, I don't even say crossed the line. He seems like somebody who is okay with okay with the choices that he's making yes and, and, and or way too comfortable with the choices he's making yeah like somebody who's in grief you know because their child was murdered or whatever like you can extend that you or you not extend that you can understand that to an extent yeah. right you can, you can you can rationalize it you can go okay i understand i'm following now it's yeah i still don't want to go to jail though um, so, uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to get away. Keep in mind, the magistrate already knows who they are. They, yeah. They would, they would have to leave Gotham if they, if they ever wanted a chance. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just now, now he's willing to take out this pretend Batman and, and, uh, you know, push his wife to the side and whatnot. It's just, I don't know. Uh, and and I think definitely more there to this couple than just what we already know. Yeah, and overall, like I said, this is probably the best of the of the now four with today's issue being released. Um, I, we haven't obviously gotten to issue number four yet, but at the same time, this isn't a book that I think is moving along well. Like for the amount of money that I we know they're probably paying Ridley Scott to write this book or write this story. The art's not tremendously good. Like it's almost, it's almost, I don't want to say that it's, it's failing because according to everybody that I talk to, that's reading it, they're reading it. They're reading it through. They're going to see it through the end. So we know it's probably selling. Okay. And they're, it's making DC $8 a pop, you know, per book. But it's it's selling okay only because the name on the front of it says Batman. Yes. That's the only... It's not because people want to go, oh, let me keep reading this. I really enjoy it. It's like, okay, well, it's Batman. Let me see. Maybe it'll get better. I think that's where everybody's at right now. Yeah. So the thing is, is, you know... And a lot, like I've read, I've read like five or six reviews while we were sitting here talking about this, about this issue from other folks. And they all, they all say the same thing. This story is not moving along. The Batman portion of the story is not moving along quickly enough to keep the audience captivated in the development of Tim Fox's Batman. There's so much going on within the, within the Fox family that they have to like continuously take time away from Batman in Tim Fox's story or development as the Batman character to tell the Lucius Fox Wayne Enterprise story. You know what I mean? So like I think that's hurting this this title overall. Um 
I know we're not going to touch on the two side stories, but I did. I, I do think, and it maybe it's just a bias because I actually really did enjoy the Outsiders comic, Batman and the Outsiders comic series prior to Future State. So I like seeing like kind of like a sequel to that um, because I think that's a book that's not going to get its just desserts until like 10, you know, five, 10 years from now when people talk about like the better Black Lightning stories told during the, you know, you know, the rebirth phase of, of DC comics. Um, and then obviously the Arkham Knight story, these two side stories are the better stories because we had the other two in the last, uh, issue of the next Batman. And that was just, they were terrible. Um, but the Arkham Knight stories is interesting because of the, the, the eclectic group of characters they've put together. It's basically like a new suicide squad, except they don't have bombs in their heads. Right. Astrich, Ar- um, Astrich Arkham is Arkham Knight. She has taken some of the worst of the worst. You know, Zaz, Killer Croc, Clayface, Two-Face, Anarchy. All these guys, um, she's put together a team basically to take on the Magistrate. And these guys, are, these guys are on the right side of history now. They're doing very, they're doing very heroic deeds as villains. Um, in the sense that they're trying to take the magistrate down and they're not doing it for like alternative motives or nothing like that. They're, they're genuinely trying to, to do the right thing and take Gotham back. Um, they've done a really good job in my opinion of, of telling the phosphorus, um, Astrich, they, they clearly have a, an emotional connection. It's not just like a, a business arrangement. They've done a really good job of making him seem more human where in other comics, He's obviously just a monster, essentially. He, he can't be loved by anybody. He can't be around anybody. Or Astrich has figured out a way, I guess, to contain his energy enough that he can build a relationship with her. Um, obviously going to keep reading it. I'll pick up this week's. We'll finish it out. I can tell you this. I subbed every Bat Family title. I probably won't. I don't want to say I won't. But I'm going go. I'm only going to give it so many issues after Future State and in Infinite Frontier before I'm just like, yeah, I don't. I'm not interested in this anymore. Um, and I and I don't. I mean, just knowing you and knowing your taste, I don't expect you to maintain a a, a steady steady read on it. Once we can get back to normal Batman, once we get back to Detective and Batman, I think both me and you are going to be like, God, ah, we're just going to continue to read the stuff we we've we've been reading. Yeah, uh, you know, I want, I want to get back to my, not Grant Morrison's Green Lantern, but a Green Lantern. Yeah, it's funny. So the Green, I got the Future State Green Lantern in my box, and mm-hmm. I'm like going through. It was like one of the first couple of books. I'm like, oh, cool, awesome, great. And it had Hal on the front, so we're going to get a potentially. I don't, I don't know. I haven't read it yet, so don't spoil it for me. I'm sure you have, because um, I'm catching up. But uh, I'm like, oh, well, you know, we're going to get out. And then I'm going, and I see the, the Grant Morrison one was like in the back of my stack. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to put that back on the shelf. I'm like, I have no, with all the money I'm spending on future state, I have no money in extra books that I have no intentions of reading. Um, but yeah, so, um, I keep reading it, I guess. I mean, I guess that's what I can recommend. Yeah. Finish, finish future state and then make your decision with what's, uh, once Infinite Frontier starts, whether you're going to stop it. Um, but uh, we're going to move on to our independent spotlight for the week. Um, and we're going to talk Kyle Higgins and Marcelo Costa's Radiant Black from Image Comics. Um, it is billed 
as a um, basically a new hero for the image comic line. Um, Nathan Burnett um, has just turned 30. This is an official synopsis. Nathan Burnett has just turned 30. Things are great. Uh, Things aren't going great, sorry. Um, He's working and failing at two jobs. He has a tremendous amount of credit card debt. Um, And his only move at this point is to move back home with his parents. Uh, When Nathan comes back home, he goes out on the night on the town with a good buddy of his. Um, I believe his name is William. I literally just looked this up. This is how bad my memory is. Um, Marshall. He goes out on the town with his buddy Marshall, who wants to show him that, like, yeah, it sucks that you have to move back in your parents, but not things are all bad in town. Like, let me show you what's gotten, what's better. Um, Marshall gets trashed and basically, you know, admits to Nathan that, like, yeah, this town isn't what it's, you know, it isn't what I've cracked it up to be. Um, as they're walking home, they noticed, like, this, basically, like, a black hole over a train track and they go over and they're like looking at it and they're like, what the hell is this? So Nathan walks over and he touches it as he touches his touches it. You know, his body becomes consumed by this cosmic radiant and he basically, you know, dons a super suit essentially gives him like, I guess, telekinetic powers. It allows him to fly. We haven't quite explored if it gives him like super strength. Um, but it's not it's not what it seems it's not all it's all not all sunshines and rainbows but obviously um Kyle Higgins um like Charlie pointed out he um he's actually <laughs> um like you said he's an acclaimed writer yeah. you know he's 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 done Mighty Morphin Power Rangers he's yeah, done he's Ultraman done. he's done Cal he's done a lot of stuff yeah like Kyle Higgins is the guy who's responsible for you know Lord Dragon yeah, right, in the in the and that's you know to me that's that's huge. But I know he's had other stuff. You know he's he's written on Nightwing. He's written on uh, written Deathstroke. Like I know that he's had other stuff. But when I think of Kyle Higgins, like um, it's it's Power Rangers that pops into my head first. Yeah. So like I said, he you know he he does a great this this book is good. Um, the char- yeah. the character design. So this is the thing when I when I need a new hero or I'm looking into a new hero or I want to read a new superhero story, if the character, so perfect example for me is Spawn. When you know we were doing comic like when you were doing comics in the '90s and you know you had your traditional character designs, you know whatever you knew what you were into. When Spawn, like when when Image did their first run of books, you know, with Lee. Livefield, McFarlane, and company. Of all the characters that were created for Image, Spawn was the coolest looking one, right? So you're naturally, as like as a reader of comics, you're going to gravitate to characters that look cool. So for me, like this is a tremendous character design. He doesn't look like anything. The, the only thing I could say is the helmet looks a little Arkham Knightish. See, I I got a I got an Iron Man vibe. Oh, and, and not and the, this isn't like a it's not a knock. No, but like, especially from the cover, I immediately got like a, a like an Iron Man vibe. But 
as you read it, like, and, and as you see what happens in this first issue, like he's not Iron Man. He is, he is something completely different. Yes. Um, the way that the suit reacts, like, um, it's, it, it is, it's a cool looking suit. It's, it's definitely so like as you get through it and that last panel of the book, you know, you get to see what else has happened. So, um, my, so I got, I got a question. Do you yeah, remember, do you remember the movie star kid? Star kid. No, that does not sound familiar. So at it all. was, it was a movie came out in 1997. It was about a kid. Um, and basically you know what? I might have just cracked the fucking code to this whole comic. <laughs> now that like I'm looking at it. So it's it was a kid's like superhero movie essentially. Um and the kids inside of a suit. It's like the suit's alive though, but it's like it's like a metal suit and like gives them super strength, allows them to fly, allows them to do all this other stuff. Um I can't for the life of me fights a big giant monster, like very, you know, nineties esque type you know movie or whatever son of a bit like i'm sorry I'm, I'm looking i'm on google and i'm looking at images and i'm like this might actually man if i hold on i'm gonna see if i can take this picture and send it to you real quick so so yeah um very similar to that if you've seen star kid i think i think i'm looking at the same origin story if i'm if i'm not being doesn't doesn't ruin it for me. It just actually makes me like it a little bit more because that's a whole lot of nostalgia from my uh, my childhood. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good story. You don't really get a lot. It's a very short, in my opinion, it's a very quick issue number one. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a yeah. whole lot. I and the art reminds me of the Power Rangers books, and I think it's clean art. Hmm. Um, the splash page where he gets the suit, um, is pretty cool. Um, it's funny because he's like, you need to calm down. You're hyperventilating. You're going to throw up. You don't want to throw up in that helmet. And then as he, he hurls, it literally just comes straight out the helmet. Yeah. So like, you know, he's like, you need to calm down. He's like, I can't take this thing off. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, can you feel that? He's like, yes. He punt his buddy Marshall punches him in the head. He's like, can you feel that? He's like, Yes. He's like, okay, just checking. He's like, I think I got to throw up. <laughs> and then obviously two cops come up, you know, on and they're on a train track, an active train track. The cops come up to him, start talking to him, basically like, hey, you know, what What are you guys doing out here? You need to get off the tracks. And then it took a very weird turn <laughs> when the cops came up. And he's like, you know, I'm a free speech auditor. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But what I liked, yeah. what I liked about it, though, was like, obviously, you know, Nathan gets himself and Marshall out of it by like, like, willing himself to, to telepathically or telekinetically to, to, to basically he lifts the train that's coming at them, the officers that are interacting with them and the police cruiser that they came in. And he's got no idea how he's doing it. Right. He's like, you know, basically he's like, you know, if you will, I will put you down. Nate Marshall, you know, negotiates this. My buddy will put you guys down, put everything down peacefully if you just act like this never happened. And the one cop's like, you know, sure, whatever. And the other cop's like, what do you, what do you mean, sure? Like, that's, you know, that's not, that's not okay. Um, but uh, Nathan ends up flying away with Marshall, and they go to the top of a water tower. 
Um, Nathan's trying to figure out how to get out of the suit. And as he's working himself up, the suit is powering up. And he basically, you know, Marshall's like, dude, you, you've got to will it. You've got to think it into existence. So he basically just t- tells him, like, think that you're, ta- you're taking your helmet off. And then the helmet disappears on him. But he's still in the suit. But, like I was saying, the thing that I liked, being in my profession in the political climate that we're in, we don't talk a lot of politics, but obviously you have a lot of people out there now that are checking police officers, rightfully and wrongfully, whatever you believe. But in that situation, like, clearly Marshall and Nathan are in the wrong. They're, they're on a train track, an active train track with a train coming towards them. Right. And he's back talking to police a whole bunch. And then when Nathan finally gets him away from everything and gets, like, he's like, what's your problem? Dude? He's like, none of, that's, none of that stuff you did back there was necessary. <laughs> like, that, that, like, like you, you, one, you we, we could have been killed because you, you w- didn't want to get off a train track with a train coming to us. Um. But yeah, so like I said, it's just one of those things where, you know, for me as a, as a police officer, it was kind of good to see like, we can play both sides of the fence, so to speak, you know, and we can have somebody who wants to keep the police in check, but then we also have somebody who, uh, is willing to, you know, be like, Hey dude, that was unnecessary back there. Why, why, why were you acting that way? Right. Um, I just sent you the oh. picture through, um, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. Um, but I do want to go back real quick because you did mention that it looks a lot like um, Power Rangers. You know, the Power Rangers. So uh, Marcelo Costa, he was one of the artists in the uh, for for the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger comics through, with Boom. So yeah. there's already a history there between. And uh, we we also get and and. Like I said, the, the art's great. The art's great all the way throughout. And yeah. the splash page art is also, it, it, it makes the book, you know, it stands out. The, it's, not, it's not a splash page, but when him and Nate, when Nathan and Marshall fly away, that's a great shot. It's a great overall shot of the hero. It's clean. It's, it's smooth. It, everything, yeah, it's just very, it's very well done. Um, I liked the I liked the splash page when he first transformed. Yes, I thought that that was a great I thought that that was a great image. We also get um, we also get a nice splash page at the end teasing our antagonist for um for the series, which I'm assuming we're going to be calling Radiant Red, right? Yeah, wouldn't that make sense? Uh, so basically, this is where we're introduced that this isn't like a singular occurrence, right? Um, the powers do not belong to Nathan. Like he's not the only one with these abilities, these powers, whatever the cosmic beings who basically created them have created multiple versions of this character. So although Nathan's a good guy, ultimately probably going to be the hero of our story there is somebody out there on the opposite end of the spectrum that is not using these powers for good. And you're introduced to that person at the end of issue number one, who is walk, what appears to be walking out of a burning bank with two giant duffel bags full of money. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I completely forgot that I put it in my, like I actually put it, went in and checked off that I wanted it for my box. I got all, all of the, the retailer variant covers. I got the, um, 
the cover B, the cover A, and I got a, a blank cover. But there was a bunch of incentivized covers that are great. Um, I really like the one in um, the one in fifty. So it's funny though, because if you go and I mean, obviously, I don't know if you have the the ability to, but if you look at the one in yeah. fifty cover right now, it's the same as the Power Rangers when they're holding the helmets. Yeah, uh, it's I, I saw that uh, that homage. Uh, uh, cover, which is cool. Yeah, I, I I like that they 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 kept that. But um, you have the Sheldon Buckert cover is great too. It's him ascending to the sky, and it's like a full frontal image of the suit. It's good. Like I said, if you're not reading it, and we haven't reiterated it enough to this point, it's cool. It's really yeah. good. And it's definitely it's definitely a pickup for if you're somebody who likes DC or likes Marvel and you're like, oh, I really want to get into an independent book. Pick up Radiant Black. You won't be disappointed. Or uh, again, we'll go back to the Power Rangers thing. If you like Power Rangers, I think you're going to like this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited. So I don't I don't get really excited over a lot of covers like blank covers like the, the ones that artists can draw on. But this is one that, like, if I go to, like, a comic book convention, I'm probably going to look for one of the artists because these aren't, like, this isn't Jim Lee. You know what I mean? This is probably going to be somebody that's going to be set up at an expo or a Comic-Con or something in the next, you know, year and a half or whenever when we get back to normal that you could probably drop your book off to and get a decent Radiant Black, you know, cover made. Um, so yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, but, yeah, so that, for me, first issue... Um, I give it, I give it a four out of five, nine out of 10. I give it, I give it one off from, from, from a perfect score. A little, I wish it was a little bit longer if I'm being honest. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I can go, hmm. I, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I feel like nine is too low. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I really like this. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where the story goes. I thought the art was good. It was fine for a first issue. Like I don't need everything um, right away. I think that we got we got a proper backstory enough to where it's like okay, I'm invested in this person's yeah. personal life. Um, we 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 understand that he has a relationship with a friend. Great. We know that he has these powers. He doesn't fully understand them, but he's all, it, it, they're not impossible powers to master. Uh, at least not as uh, as of what we know of them now. Um, so that's good because now we don't have to have all this like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, he at least has some yeah. semblance of control. Uh, and, uh, we have a villain. Uh, so I'm okay with, I'm okay with how we got through that in the amount of pages that we did. And, uh, I'm already looking forward to the next issue. Yeah. And just for, just for folks at home, because I can't get over this Starkhead thing, cause I haven't thought about this movie Literally in a better part of probably a decade and a half. Um, it, it, uh, Spencer Griffin's a shy, uh, seventh grade boy. Uh, he's bullied at school quite often. Uh, one night he notices a, a mysterious meteorite crashes into a nearby junkyard, seeking out of his sneaking out of his house to investigate the site. He discovers that it's actually a small rocket containing a cy- cyborg suit, a prototype exoskeleton suit with AI. From another galaxy. If that doesn't sound exactly, I mean, obviously it's different in the sense that, like, we're talking about an older gentleman who's down on his luck, 
but he walks by like a railroad track and just sees some weird space-like object, goes over to it, interacts with it, and then is taken over by the power of the suit. It's the same, it's the same fucking story. You, you mean like some crazy green ring? That yes. Just comes space? Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just funny. Yeah. Cause like, obviously the easy one to, 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 to harken back to is, is green lantern, but having this little bit of pop culture nuance in my brain, I'm like, Holy shit. This reminds me of that, you know, that movie from fucking 1998. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just, just an interesting, just an interesting little tidbit there. Um, uh, but, uh, so let's move on. This is our, we're going to, we're going to dedicate a little bit of time to this because I think, you know, we don't get a lot of good news stories, right? Like we, we get like, oh, this comic's coming, this person's doing this book, whatever. But I came across this Bleeding Cool article from the 15th. And take everything that's said here moving forward from Bleeding Cool as a grain of salt. It's all rumor. It's, it's even titled Scoop, DC Comics Buyout and Works from Fans with Lots of Money. So... Um, written by Rich Johnston, this article, um, you know, basically highlights the shitty year DC Comics has had with all of the firings, the stepping down, stepping up, changing, you know, ownership from, you know, strictly Warner Brothers to AT&T and Warner Brothers and so on and so forth. Um, it talks about how former DC President Diane Nelson decided to move DC from expensive offices in Manhattan to extremely insanely expensive offices in Burbank, California. Um, but basically saying, you know, that although some of the, like the financial pressure and things like that, because of some of these moves that were made, it seems to be actually working out in their benefit with having their TV movie and comics all kind of in the same cul-de-sac, so to speak. So now they can all kind of work hand in hand and work together. Um, it's obviously, uh, been, you know, widely publicized and we've covered it, that DC was going to move away from serialized publication. They were going to go away from the weekly drops and do, do something different, whether it be, you know, print and digital, all digital print every couple months, collected editions, whatever it is. Um, and over the last year, there's probably, there's apparently been a number of suitors who have stepped forward to, to basically make an offer to AT&T and Warner Brothers to do the publication for their comics, to include Marvel, IDW, Dynamite, and Penguin Random House was willing to actually pay the price that DC or that Warner Brothers and AT&T set on DC Comics. All the other companies kind of came in and lowballed or gave a below market offer or at least what they thought was, you know, below market DC and or uh, Warner Brothers and AT&T. But Penguin Random House, which is one of the largest publication companies for books and, and media in the country, came forward and was willing to pay the, the asking price. It just never came to fruition. Um, but we also know that Future State is selling really well. Um, they've reduced the number of titles in the line. They plan on reducing the number of titles in the line moving forward into Infinite Frontier. And as long as these comics continue to sell and sell well, it might not motivate Warner Brothers and AT&T to sell the, the publication rights of the comic books. 
Um, but from what we're, you know, we're getting at in this, this article that obviously talks about the last year and what's going on currently for the company. But in the last year, apparently AT&T and Warner Brothers has had a number of quote unquote high rolling individuals that were given tours of the DC Burbank headquarters, so to speak. Um, and now Bleeding Cool is saying that they've made, they've been made aware of plans by a big time DC comic book fans with access to a lot of money, um, basically co- collaborating together with the combination of their wealth and any sort of raised capital are interested in approaching AT&T now to not buy DC Comics outright because Warner Brothers and AT&T are not going to sell the movie and TV rights and the games and the merchandise, right? But these people are apparently just solely interested in comic book publishing. They just want to be able to create and publish DC Comics the line as they would like. And they would allow Warner Brothers to do whatever they want it for movies and television, but they basically would just take on the 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 act of actually publishing comic books week in and week out. And Warner Brothers can take their comics, whatever they publish, and they can do whatever they want with them. Free liberty, free reign. Um, mm, I mean, it, so it all sounds great. Yes. Right. But we know back here in reality that it'll never come to fruition. Well, it, it, so, so I, I don't see it. So this is a thing. When I say they can do whatever they want with it, so say like somebody writes a Batman story and Warner Brothers or AT&T really like it. And they're like, hey, we think we could turn this into a movie or we could turn this into a TV series or whatever. The, the, the guys publishing the comics don't care about that shit. Now, in propriety, they will probably get some, you know, they'll get a kickback. You know, if you figure you're putting out, what, 25 titles every, you know, every two weeks, Right between two weeks, you put out 25 books. If you hit on one, Warner Brothers and AT&T will probably throw you a bone. You know, here's a million bucks for the book, or, you know, for the, for the, for, for, for making that story, but you're not going to get any like merchandising or, you know, basically you're signing away. Once, once we say, Hey, we're interested in that book and you say, okay, cool. You can have it. You're signing away any sort of royalty rights, so to speak from it. Uh, I don't think it's far-fetched. I really don't. Because think of it like this. You, we, we think it's far-fetched, but Disney's done, or Marvel's done it. Marvel pimped out their, their characters individually to different movies or movie uh, studios, different video game companies, different, you know, everything under the sun. I'm pretty sure Marvel was published by a different company. Like Marvel didn't handle their own publishing for a while. It's not far fetched, and if somebody's yeah. willing to, if somebody's willing to take on the debt of like, all right, well, we're gonna we're gonna pay, you know, we're gonna pay AT and T. Let's go stuff. Let's say a billion dollars. There's gonna be ten of us. We're gonna pay AT and T a billion dollars, and we're going to purchase DC Comics publishing rights. So that means you get all the artists, you get all the the executives like the Jim Lees and everybody that's involved, 
You get all those people. They all now work for you as a company. And you get to come in and on your first day, you get to say, okay, where are we at in the next nine months? So in the next year, where do we find ourselves? I don't think it's far-fetched because I, we know AT&T and Warner Brothers want absolutely nothing to do with paper comics. Like it's almost to an extent to like, it's almost a guarantee that if they keep this, this stuff in house, that we are going to be reading digital comics at some point in the next probably three to five years, in my opinion. Um, but can they really turn down a billion dollars <laughs> just so somebody has the right to public, to do something you don't want to do? You, uh, you know, I what know what I mean? I, and I don't see, and this is where I guess you and I differ in opinion, right? I don't think it's that they don't want to do it. It's that Warner brothers and AT&T, right? They, they're not like a Disney, right? Like, uh, like, like Disney understands using their intellectual property and every freaking facet that they can use it in and, and make money off of it. Yeah. Right. The, 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 that's why they are the juggernaut that they are. And I feel like just at Warner brothers and this partnership with AT&T, I don't think that they have that same mentality. I think that the, whoever is making the decisions or the, the board of people that are making decisions don't connect from a comic standpoint. Well, they no, none of them. If, 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 I, if they understand, if, if we put it on the big screen, people will go see it. If we, if we uh, make an animated series, people will watch it. But nobody reads things anymore, and that's where they're wrong. People do. Well, yeah. And, 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 and they put so much emphasis on getting things onto the smaller big screen that they for, keep forgetting the fact that in order for those things to continue, you have to have source material. Yeah. So, so, so hear me out. So my, my, I agree with you. I agree that the difference between Disney, Marvel, ATT, WB, DC is that Disney understands the low cost of comic publication allows them to continue syndication for dedicated fans, dedicated people that actually do go to the comic book stores, do read the stuff. Like they realize that like, that's a good, that that, that was a, uh, for a lot of people that was their, their bridge to get into these characters and, and this, un, these universes. But they also, Disney obviously capitalizes on everything else. They do a good job with their TV, with their movies, with their merchandising, all that other stuff. Like kids, kids are getting into superheroes because of a television or a movie, not because of a source material comic. But it, 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 it's almost like it's, it's the opposite of how it used to be. You know, like I, you know, like our parents' generation, like when they were introduced to superheroes, it was in the Sunday you know, Sunday circular, or they were at a comic, you know, on a, a wire stand in a pop shop somewhere. And they, that's how they were introduced to our Superman's and Spider-Man's and things like that. Where our kids are being introduced through television and, you know, movies and things. And then, then they get interested and be like, Oh, well there's books about this. Oh, there's books with very little words and a whole bunch of pictures. That's how people get interested in the comics. Um, 
But my my thought process too is from a business standpoint, right? AT&T, Warner Brothers, whether you believe it or not, they're good at television. They're good at movies. They're good at on-screen entertainment, right? AT&T has never been a publication company. They've never published a newspaper, a magazine, a comic book, or nothing. Warner Brothers has been involved in comic publication for a better part of probably, what, like two or three decades? But it's not like they've ever been tremendously great at it. But it's always been there for them, right? It's kind of just, it's kind of, like you said, comics exist for, for the proprietary properties that they end up creating in the long run, right? So when Radiant Black becomes a massive superhero hit, kind of similar to like Spawn is, Image can then pimp him out to Sony and have Sony make a movie for him. Or pimp him out to even like a Marvel or a Disney to make the movie for him, right? But at the same time, they still own that property. They're still going to print Radiant Black comics. They're still going to make those books. Why not, if I'm AT&T, I purchased Warner Brothers, which then gave me HBO, TNT, and DC Comics, right? Or DC Universe. If I'm like, okay, well, I don't really see the importance of comic books. I don't. I don't see the importance of having them. Like, we have a ton of source material we can go off of for the next 100 years. I don't see why we need them. And I'm like getting to the point to where I'm getting ready to probably throw them away, essentially, because that's what it seems like they're going to do, right? It seems like they're going to they're going to go digital, or they're going to try and get us to subscribe to some bullshit service, kind of like DC Infinite that they're doing right now, and then like that's how we're going to consume DC material moving forward. Yep, I think that that'll be a terrible mistake. It would be right, and they will realize that almost immediately when they go. Hey, why is nobody buying our shit? Why yes. is nobody subscribing? But my question, my question, but, but but then that leads me to my next point. My not my next question, but my next point. Why not make money off of that? Why not say, okay, well, you know, we know people are going to see these. Mo- we could put out a hundred Justice League theater cuts, and we know people are going to go and see them. Like we're going to make we're going to make five hundred million dollars a movie, no matter what. Right, because that's kind of where we're at in the superhero movie realm. If you just slap a superhero that somebody knows on a, onto a title, people fucking go to the movies and see them. So, when we do that, right? Why not just say, okay, why don't we give? Like, we clearly don't care about this enough to 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 really push it day to day, to do the right things day to day. We don't clearly we don't have an interest in that, right? Why not say, why not when somebody comes to me and says, hey, we want to offer you full asking price plus some, give you the right to choose from our stories to continue to fill your categories and your, you you know, your platform. All we want to do is be able to continue to print comic books and we want to do it for our, we want to do it the way the fans want it done. And we'll listen to our audiences. We'll pay for our advertising. We'll we'll push our events and do our stuff that we need to do. You don't have to worry about. We'll take all of that from you. There's no way you say no to that. If you don't give a shit about it and somebody else cares enough about it to pay you full and then some asking price and give you the rights to all of their properties. And they're not asking for merchandising. They're not asking for anything. They're saying, hey, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to invest, let's just say, a billion dollars. I'm going to purchase the rights to print, and I'm going to make print work for me. 
I'm going to put out the best comics. I'm going to put out the best artists. I'm going to do the best things that I can do to make sure that I can make it a return investment on that billion dollars. I don't think it's far-fetched. I really don't. And I think if more people did this with these bigger companies, including Marvel, if fans with money got involved, and not everybody has a great opinion of shit. Don't get me wrong. You know, some people probably think mine and Charlie's opinions are shit. But there's some people probably like, you know, these guys, they kind of have an idea of what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, if you get involved as a fan, you have nobody but to blame but yourself. You can no longer blame AT&T and Warner Brothers because you as the fan knew what you wanted and you put that product out there. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. You know what it would be very similar to if this happened? Wrestling. Yeah, I was about to make that comparison. It's wrestling. Do you have to listen to your audience? We know eight as of right now, AT&T and Warner Brothers and Disney and Marvel do not have to listen to us as readers at all. Because they'll just put out whatever they want to put out. There's no need for them to listen to us. They're, they're so big as a conglomerate, they don't need to listen. So the product has suffered as a result. I'm extremely interested in this. I think that this, if this comes to fruition, I think it could be. This is the thing. This is the ultimate boomer bust. It could be the best thing that ever happened to DC Comics or the worst thing that ever happens to DC Comics. But until it happens, you don't really, you don't really know. Um, and I think it poses a good question. I know we kind of want to talk a little bit about this in this issue, but I think give us a week to think on this because I think being you, you know, being as heavily invested as we are into the DC multiverse in a DC comic book uh, world, um, I'd be interested to think what we think the biggest issues are in the DC comic book multiverse and how you could fix them. And I think, you know, give us a week. We'll, we'll cover that on next week's out of the, out of the press issue, but I would be very interested to get your opinion and my opinion on, you know, in, in with some time to think on it or what we would, like, if we were put into the driver's seat of the DC universe, comic book wise, what we would do. Um, but like you said, you, you, you think it, like I said, everything's skeptical at this. Everything is rumor. Everything is a grain of salt. We don't, there's no, there's no backing to this. Nobody's officially come out and said that this is going to occur. But I think just the speculation of it is a very interesting premise. And like you said, you don't see it happening because like you said, you know, there's, there's so much proprietary property p- pulled into it that it would, you know, it would be kind of, kind of silly to think that, that AT&T or Warner Brothers would give up control of that. But I also think as long as that property is accessible by those two companies, I don't see the issue in it. Um, but that uh, we'll actually get out of here right before the hour mark today. Um, but stopping here. So uh, we'll get some more books to cover for next week. Uh, we have the end of Future State coming up within the next probably like week or two. Um, so as future state wraps up, you will get a part two to our DC future state full coverage. Um, and probably that'll segue us into our DC infinite frontier coverage as well. Um, we have, uh, obviously more radiant black coming next month. Um, uh, something's killing the children department of truth. Um, and we're going to dive into, um, Southern bastards as well. Right. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that, get caught up on that series and give, give our thoughts and, um, opinions on that. And like I said, uh, uh, next week's hot off the press issue, we're going to give you 
what CEO Charlie and Mark would do to right the wrongs or write the or continue the rights of the DC universe in the comic books um, for our closing segment. Um, so do you have anything else, Charlie? I do not, sir. All right. So if you guys aren't already doing so, give us a like, subscribe, uh, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. Let us know we're doing right, doing wrong. We want to know what you guys and gals want to listen to us talk about. Um, and at some point, swing over to social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at DGI podcast. Uh, we post quite regularly on Instagram and Facebook, um, with updates and things like that. If you were following us on IG, you would have known that we were interested in this bleeding cool article because it's honestly the first article I've ever shared on social media through our, our pages where I've actually linked the article because I was so intrigued by the premise of all of this. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, obviously I'm not a big bleeding cool guy. I think a lot of their stuff is, is there's a, there's a, there's a lot of rumor that either comes true or doesn't come true. But like I said, I thought this was a very interesting idea and premise. And it obviously is going to give us two shows worth of content um, to potentially, you know, spin off of. Um, but if Charlie has nothing else, I'll send it over him to wrap us up. All right, man. Uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll catch you all on the next issue. So Mark, go ahead and hit our music. Music.